Man, wasn't that awesome? Uh, we had some of our teenagers put together, about, about 15, do that. And man, it's so cool to hear people recite what holds us together and what we believe. And that's what this is all going to be about for the next six weeks. We're going to talk about the Apostles' Creed. Now, this creed was made hundreds of years ago by a group of Christians that put this thing together. And they did it for this purpose, to easily teach big uh, doctrinal ideas in a short and clear way. And what we're going to do is we're going to dissect this creed and hold it up to Scripture to investigate its claims. Because the point is not to preach the creed, but rather to use this creed as an outline to preach God's Word. Because creeds in themselves do not hold any authority apart from the Bible. But that doesn't mean we can't use it to help us learn the Bible. Now, this creed is about what it means to be a Christian, not what it means to be a part of any denomination. And you're going to see in its original form that it says we believe in the Holy Catholic Church. Now, the word Catholic means universal. So that's why many have changed that phrase to Holy Christian Church like we did in our video there just a second ago. Because we feel like that better reflects what their original meaning was. But this is the oldest known creed of all the Christian creeds. And over the century, it's been used to correct error and also to spiritually form our idea of who God is. The Apostles' Creed has been used by the church for two millennia to shape the people of God around what is true. Matt Chandler preached a 12-week series on this subject, and we're using his outline. We're going to try and cram as much of that outline into six weeks, so we're going to see how we do with that. But if you're listening and you're new to Christianity, or maybe you're not even sure yet you are a Christian, this might seem a little bit weird to you. You're not quite sure what to make of all this. Well, let me quickly say this. Christians do not believe in incantations. Here's what I mean by that. You saying this phrase, these, what we're about to do here in just a second, does not make you a Christian. You memorizing and knowing these, this creed does not make you a Christian. But what we're going we're to see is that this creed describes what it means to be a Christian, what we believe. All right, you ready? We're going to do this together. You, you ready down there? Mom, get your, your, your teenage boy that's over there sitting by himself with his headphones on and say, hey, come on, pay attention. So we're going to do this together. You ready? Let's throw it up there on the screen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Isn't it cool to be able to join in that chorus of Christians over hundreds and hundreds of years, some of which who died for those very beliefs, to say that we believe these things? I believe. What does that mean to believe? 
Does it matter what we believe or does it just matter that you believe? So many people just believe that all it matters is that you are sincere. It's not really uh, a problem of whether uh, of what you believe in, but whether or not you're sincere in your belief. But is that true? Romans 10.9 says this, says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Well, that's a pretty narrow description of how you can know for sure that you have a right relationship with God. It says we must confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, and the heart is where we believe. Well, what is the difference in knowing and believing? Knowing doesn't cost us anything, right? You can know many things without ever having to take a step, but belief will cost you something because belief leads to action. Now, I might think that a chair will hold me up, but there's no risk in knowing that, but to believe in it means I actually sit in that chair, and I take a little bit of a risk, and I put my weight on it. I put my faith in it. Because there's lots of things that we know that we should do that we don't do, right? Many of us know, especially now during this quarantine, that we need to lose some weight. We know that. We know it's good for us, but we don't really believe that it is worth the cost that it's going to cost us. Because if we did believe it, we would change, we would take action, and then we would do something about it. Romans 10 just told us that the heart is where we believe. Belief starts in the heart and then comes confession out of our mouth. Because it's great to say you're a believer. It's great to say that you're saved. It's great to say a prayer. It's great to say that you love Jesus and to join in worship and singing. But if that confession doesn't start with a heart change, which is a belief that leads to action, then it's just empty words. We saw a few weeks ago that the Bible tells us there will be many people that say, Lord, Lord, didn't I do many religious things? Didn't I do many good works in your name? Now say that, but God will still look at them and say, depart from me, I never knew you. Why? Because sound that comes out of your heart that does, excuse me, sound that comes out of your mouth that does not reverberate in your heart is empty. Sound coming out of your mouth that doesn't mean anything in your heart is nothing. Well, how do I know if I believe these things in my heart? Pastor Phil, I'm a little bit worried. Maybe I am just saying the things that I'm not actually believing them. Well, the Bible tells us right there, we know it. We know that belief is different than just knowing because belief leads to action. Jesus told us, if you love me, keep my commandments. Ephesians tells us that you are God's workmanship created for good works. We just saw that it said not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will uh, enter into the kingdom. But the next part says, he that does the will of my father. Titus tells us that a life of a genuine believer is going to show a pattern of good works. What does that mean? It means If you truly believe, it will change who you are. You're not just going to be the same person that you would be without that thing. 
Belief changes us. Now, do our good works save us? Obviously not. But they are evidence of our salvation. They're proof that you believe. If you have no desire in and of yourself to do things for people without strings attached, then that's not supernatural. That's just your regular desires. If you only want to help people that will help you back, or you only want to do things as long as you get a nice pat on the back and the credit for that, then that is just your natural man and not anything that is outside of yourself. But belief leads us to do things that we don't get anything in return. Why? Because believing is different than just knowing. Belief changes us. The Bible tells us that even the devil and his angels know that Jesus is God. See, knowledge isn't power. Belief is power. Because belief has the power to change. It's not just the more you know. It's the more you believe. So we got that first two words, right? I believe. I believe. What do we believe in? And that's what we're going to look over the next few weeks. What do we believe? How is this changing my actions? Am I actually believing or do I just know these things? Is my heart aligned in belief? See, confessing those things with our mouth is good, but believing in our heart is where real life change happens. It's where something supernatural can happen in our life. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. This is a big deal right here. This is a big statement. You're countercultural right now if you believe those things. You're rebelling against humanism and materialism, and you're saying, I believe in something outside of myself. There's more than just what I can feel and taste and touch and smell. There's something bigger at work here. We're saying we're not just a collection of cells that randomly built themselves and improved on themselves over the course of millions and millions of years. We are not just an accident that there is a hand outside of nature that is guiding all of this. What we're saying is we believe in the supernatural, not just the natural. And actually, if you really think about it, what we're actually saying is we only believe in the supernatural. We believe every day we wake up is a wonder. Every morning is a miracle. Every minute is a marvel. Every season is a sensation. Every moment is a mystery because God is the uncaused cause of all things. God is behind it all. So what we're saying is the supernatural is all around us. Why? Because we believe in God, the Father, creator of heaven and earth. See, the problem is not that God is silent in our lives. In fact, it's that God is moving so much that we have become apathetic to it and numb to it. Tori's always slept with, my wife has always slept with a box fan. And when we first got married, that was a big deal because that was loud and it disturbed me and I didn't like it. But I'm a good husband, and I love my wife very much, and I made this big sacrifice to let her sleep with a a box fan. You can stop applauding. I'll wait for that. But hey, I, I, 
when I first got married, that was a big deal. It was so loud. But as the years have gone by, I don't even hear it anymore. And the only time I hear it at night is when it stops. The only time I ever even notice that box fan is when the power goes out and there I'm like, oh man, the fan's not on anymore. See, God is not silent. God is busy. And even when we don't see him, he is working. Pray he never stops working because then we will be horribly aware of the fact that God is silent. We believe in God the Father. Matt Chandler says this. He says, our God is an infinitely powerful and intensely personal Father. Our God is an infinitely powerful and intensely personal Father. Matthew 6, 9, the the Lord's Prayer, the model prayer, we see that. It says, after this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed, holy be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Here we see the Lord's Prayer. And it tells us clear as day that God is infinitely powerful. And yet, he is intensely personal. Let's think about the most powerful person that we can think of, right? We got like a king, right? Maybe the president, Beyonce, maybe. The most powerful person you can think about. Imagine what power that man holds, right? To build cities, to command armies, to define law. That man is powerful, and yet he is still the guy. If you're his child, he's still the guy that fixes you peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. That is what we see from God the Father. He is in, uh, intensely powerful and intimately personal with us. Your Father in heaven is holy. His kingdom cannot stop. His will will be done not just on earth, but throughout the universe and into the heavens. But yet, He wants to every day to supply your bread to forgive you personally of your wrongs, to sit down with you on your bed and have that talk about how, yes, you made mistakes, but this is how we're going to do better. And yes, of course, I forgive you because I love you because God is a good father. And he wants to lead us and deliver us. And he cares about our debts and he he cares about our life and the things that we think are just physical things. God cares about those things in your life. Because your father is infinitely powerful and yet is intensely personal. Ancient pagans would often refer to their biggest, most powerful God as their father. Zeus was the father of the Greeks. And Jupiter was the father of the Romans. And Ra was the father of the Egyptians. But these were not the type of fathers that you would want to be around. If Zeus was your friend's dad, you wouldn't be asking to sleep over his house. Why? Because Zeus was a vengeful God and he was never pleased and he was always ready to throw a lightning bolt at you. You didn't want to be around those fathers. But Romans 8.15 shows us what makes God different and what sets him apart because this God no one would ever make up. 
We can make up gods that are angry at us. Why? Because in and of ourselves, we understand that we are flawed and that we don't deserve mercy. But this kind of God that God's word shows us doesn't make any sense to us. Why would the biggest thing, most powerful thing in the universe lay down his life to die for us? That doesn't make any sense. Romans 8, 15 says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Every other God that man has, has made up has made their people slaves and fearful. But here we see the God, the true God, the one God has not given us that spirit that makes us fearful slaves. Instead, 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 you receive God's spirit. When he adopted you into his family as his own children, and now we call him Abba, Father. Abba, Daddy, Dad. See, God is not afar off. God is not distant. You don't have to live in fear. Why? Because he chose you. You are adopted. God did not uh, have to be convinced to love you. He made the choice. And now I know you know that. But do you believe that? Is that what you rest on? Is it pushed down into the farthest crevices of your heart that God chose you, that God loves you? You don't have to live in fear. You are adopted. You are his child. Does your heart rest in the fact that your God that created you and made you, the God of heaven, cares about you? And he's the greatest, most amazing father that a child could ever have. God is close. God is intimate. God is with us. But don't humanize him. Don't humanize him. Just because he reaches down to our level doesn't mean he's on our level. Don't take God lightly. He's not just the father, but he's the father almighty. He's the greatest. He's the most powerful. Exodus 27, one of the Ten Commandments tells us not to take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, this is about more than just not using God's name as a cuss word and as a filler word and just throwing the name out. This is about not taking God lightly. Don't take his power and his, holy, uh, his holiness for granted. God is not just your buddy. God is not just the big man upstairs. Job said this about our Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. In Job 26, 7, check this out. It says, he stretches out the north over the void. He hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up the waters in his thick cloud, and the cloud is not split open under them. He covers the face of the full moon and spreads over it his cloud. He has inscribed a circle on the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astounded at his rebuke. By his power, he stilled the seas. By his understanding, he shattered Rahab. By his wind, the heavens were made fair. His hand pierced the fleeing servant. Behold, these are but the outskirts of his ways. These things that we see, they're just a small whisper do we hear of him? But the thunder of his power, who can understand? That's my father. That's your father. He's not just a buddy. He's not just a good old pal. 
God is big and powerful and huge and amazing and awesome. I don't know about you, but I remember having those conversations uh, with my friends growing up that, you know, my father could beat up your father. I got in a fight uh, one time over a kid that said that. Now, one thing you have to know about my dad, he's 5'4". He's not a very big guy, but it didn't matter. As a child, I thought he could take on anyone. And he's pretty scrappy. You know, he wrestled, all that kind of stuff. So don't mess with him just because I'm saying this. But hey, we remember having those conversations, right? My dad can beat up your dad. Well, here we see that my father is strong. My father is powerful. My father is mighty. He hangs the earth on nothing. When he shouts, the whole earth trembles. The heavens shake. My father can beat up your problems. My father can take care of your situations. My father is big, powerful, the creator of the heavens and earth. He is almighty and awesome and wonderful. Do not take God lightly. So do you believe this? Yeah, you know it, right? You know it up here. But do you believe it? Do you believe that this is who God is? And what are you scared of? What what has your focus right now so much that you have lost focus of God and you cannot see his hand in your life anymore? God is not silent. God is busy. In fact, God is so busy that you have become numb to the fact that he is working in your life every time your heart pumps, every time your eyes open, every time you take a breath. It is all God. I Believe in God the Father, Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. Let's pray as the worship team comes.